0: Hello and welcome to the I Can Do podcast with Benjamin Lee. We're here to talk about tips and strategies to have an I can do mindset. Life is what you put into it. Get the most you can. Here's your host, Benjamin Lee.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of I Can Do. I am Benjamin Lee. I hope and pray all is well with you. Hopefully you had a fantastic weekend. I know you're gonna be excited and pumped up after listening to this podcast episode. I had an opportunity to have a conversation with New York Times bestselling author, Robert Cheek. He is the author of the book, The Plant-Based Athlete, a game-changing approach to peak performance. Now, before we dive into the show, let me just tell you a little bit more about Robert. Robert grew up on a farm in Corvallis, Oregon, where he adopted a vegan lifestyle in 1995 at age 15, weighing just 120 pounds. And today he is the author of the books Vegan Bodybuilding and Fitness, Shred It, Plant Based Muscle, and as I just mentioned, the New York Times bestseller, The Plant. Based athlete. He is often referred to as the godfather of vegan bodybuilding, growing the industry from infancy to in 2002 to where it is today. As a two-time natural bodybuilding champion, Robert is considered one of VEG News Magazine's most influential vegan athletes. He tours around the world sharing his story of transformation from a skinny farm kid Champion Vegan Bodybuilder. Robert is the founder and president of Vegan Bodybuilding and Fitness and maintains the popular website veganbodybuilding.com. He is a regular contributor to No Meat Athlete, Forks Over Knives, and Vegan Strong, is a multi-sport athlete, entrepreneur, and has followed a plant-based diet for more than 25 years. Robert lives in Colorado with his wife and two rescued chihuahuas. Now, this conversation that I had was so much fun. We also have a special guest on the show as well. We're in this episode, Eva Latcham. And Eva is the one that actually got me in contact with Robert. And you'll hear a little bit more about that. And Eva also has been my coach as well. And so she actually sent me his book, The Plant-Based Athlete. And I got to tell you, it is a great resource to have. Uh, If you're looking to improve as an athlete, a plant-based athlete, uh, there are so many powerful stories of world-class athletes uh, that are doing this uh, being fueled by plants. And so I I highly encourage you check out Robert's book. Uh, It is well worth the read, and you can use his book for years to come because there's so much information in the book. And so one of the things that I wanted to talk about Robert that you will hear in this podcast is his journey. Um, You know, his journey as an author. I love books, and I'm always curious, how do people get started? And what does it look like to become a New York Times bestselling author? And so we really travel across the span of his life to where he is today. And you're going to learn a lot about perseverance and the perseverance that Robert has and really the perseverance that all of us need, whatever the goal that we are trying to go after. And so get a sheet of paper uh, if you're at home, get a pencil or pen, take some notes, you're going to learn a lot. I know you're definitely going to be encouraged, and I really appreciate Robert and Eva for being on the show and for making this show to happen. Here we go. Robert, Eva, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having us. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, we are fired up. I'm really excited to have both Robert and Eva. Uh, before we dive into the questions, Robert, I just want to say thank you to both of you. We are just talking about this a moment ago where uh, Eva here, has uh, she's been on the podcast most recently, uh, and she sent me your book. And we're definitely going to be talking a great deal about this, the plant-based athlete, a New York Times bestselling book. And it came at the perfect time for me because I just started my vegan journey about 38 days ago. And so Eva sent this book to me. And uh, it was a great source of information and inspiration and uh, just the possibility. So I want to say thank you first to Eva. And also thank you, Robert, for for writing this book. And I have a lot of questions uh, about the book. And so if we what I was thinking was, if we could go back to uh, the third grade. So if I understand correctly, uh, you've had a passion for writing for a very long time. Yeah, and it exactly. seemed like it started back in the third grade. Tell us, how did it get started with respect to this love that you've had with writing?
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. And I don't get to talk about that very often. It started for me in Mrs. Young's third grade class at Lincoln Elementary School in 1988. We were assigned these projects to write stories, you know, to write books. And this was obviously back in the late 80s. And it was really cool that our teacher actually laminated the books, spiral bound them, made them feel real. And I was a storyteller. I love telling stories that it's just what I have always enjoyed doing. And so I wrote stories. I wrote stories about playing basketball. I wrote stories about dinosaurs. I wrote a mystery, you know, mystery stories. I wrote, and I still have uh, almost all of them. I still have almost all of them in, in, in my basement, you know, in a little plastic container. And it was something that I realized that, you know, this is what I want to keep doing. Like I really enjoy that. I feel alive doing this. Like this brings me some sort of joy or fulfillment or reward. Uh, or just fun. I mean, as an eight-year-old, I mean, this was just fun for me. And so I continued that. I mean, I went into, uh, I'm sure I took a little bit of a break in in middle school and, you know, pursued some other things, sports and all of that. But even in high school, I had my own one-on-one writing coach, which is, Mm -hmm. I mean, nobody does that in high school when you're 15, 16, 17 years old. And instead of hanging out with your buddies, you meet with a a teacher uh, for a period uh, or your lunch break or whatever and write and go over it and go over it. And, and so I did that, and uh, I even wrote a 100-page book when I was a, a teenager. Wow. It was never published, of course, but, but I wrote it. It was a decent length. It was a fun children's adventure story, and I continued that into my 20s, writing everything from children's books mm. to uh, adventure stories and all of that. And then it was finally this, this vegan bodybuilding lifestyle that gave me a vehicle to write something that was eventually published. Right. And now here I am, I guess we're almost, I guess, 34 years later from yeah. that time that I decided to do that. I'm on my fifth book and it, and it did wow. make the New York times bestseller list, which is yeah. you know, I tell people it, it made it last, you know, a few months ago. So it was 33 years in the making, you know, mm. um, it, it took, uh, this, this, this belief in self and this, in this dream that just, I, I never let go of it. Like that was yeah. something that I'd I wasn't willing to let go. I let go of the dream, the dream of being in the NBA. I let, I let, I let go of that one. Not much I could do there. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't make the NBA, but I, but I, I really wanted to do something with writing, and just fortunate that I had uh, this unique opportunity.
1: Yeah. So let's fast forward to 2013. I want to go back. We'll we'll go back to when you were 15 and uh, when you made this choice to become vegan. Um, if I if I heard correctly when you're in back in 2013, you were seeking to get some of your books published with a publishing company that didn't work out. Is that correct? And yeah, talk to us about that process. I'm always fascinated. I love books. Eva loves books. Um, we all love books. And but I'm always curious, like, you know, how did you handle that initial rejection? Did you only talk to one publishing company? Did you send it out to multiple people? I know, like, Tim Ferriss, you know, he had like, he sent his book, the four hour work week to like, 25 or 26 publishing companies, walk us through that process for you and how that helped you to get to where you are now.
0: Yeah. Well, Benjamin actually started a little bit earlier than that. It started in 2008 where I I wrote this book called Take Action and Make It Happen, a 300 page personal development book, uh, self-help motivational book, you know, similar to, or at least in my mind, similar to like a Tony Robbins type book, but clearly I was this, this vegan fitness person. I'd been on a speaking tour since 2005 at that point. I filmed a documentary in 2005 called Vegan Fitness Built Naturally. Sold you know, 1,000 or 2,000 DVDs. But I, I went around touring talking about the story of transformation from skinny farm kid to champion vegan bodybuilder. So I wrote this personal development book because that's what I enjoyed doing. Uh, and, I, and I landed an agent. And we shopped it around to, I think, just about 25 publishers or so. And it was turned down by every single one. And I was actually at my friend's house, another amazing vegan athlete, Brendan Brazier. He was in my documentary. He was a good friend. I was actually at his house talking to him when I got my final rejection letter. And it was from his publisher. And he's, uh, even may know this, you know, uh, from the the vegan athlete community, Brendan is not uh, the most um, extroverted, you know, he's very quiet, reserved, only really says the words he needs to say. And he, and he, and he spun his chair around, you know, and and looked at me and he said, you know, Robert, nobody knows you as this motivational guy. Yeah. You have fun out there on stage, you know, talking to people, but nobody knows you. People know you as a vegan bodybuilder. You got to write about that. I said, I don't want to write about that. Like, I don't want to have to look up all these, you know, studies and references and citations. And I just want to write, like just flow. But uh, I decide, okay, I'm going to write. So I wrote this vegan bodybuilding book and I uh, I finished it, but I didn't have an agent at this time anymore. um, And it wasn't really that mass market kind of thing. It was something to be self-published, but I didn't have the money to do it. So my boss at the time, lent me the money. So I could about $6,000 or so, so I could, I could publish it. And so I did. And, and that, that book did its thing. And then, uh, fast forward to 2013, I was ready to try to step it up a notch. And actually I wrote the the proposal for this book for the (laughs) plant-based athlete 2013 and 13. Wow. I had multiple people, including two PhD candidates who are friends of mine. Actually, one was a friend, one was a relative, Helping me with the proposal, yeah. I went out to. I got introduced to this agent through a friend of mine in California, and I met with him in person in, in, in his twenty-fifth-story Beverly Hills uh, office. Mm-hmm. And I presented the plant-based athlete to him. He was excited about it. Uh, my my then girlfriend, now wife, was with me, and we all felt good about the the experience. Like, wow, I'm finally. I'm finally making it here, you know, at least it felt that way. <laughs> yeah. And so then I sent him the actual proposal after we met in person. And uh he didn't like it. He didn't like the proposal at all. And so what he told me was that uh Robert um you know this just this just isn't for you right now. Uh what I want you to do is, is if you can if you can come up with the money uh hire someone a ghostwriter for about is the number he quoted me to help you with the proposal. And then you got to come up with, you know, another 60,000 or so to hire the ghostwriter to write the book, but then you're going to get a home run and sell, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of books or you'll land this big book deal. And it's kind of funny. I mean, seven, eight years later, I realized that's actually largely how the industry works. Mm. So I, I went back home and I decided, you know what, I'm going to I got to write an ebook or something to raise some money, you know, because I want to pursue this dream. So I started to write this ebook. Uh, 60 pages was kind of my target, my goal. And after just a few months, I had written a 400 page book uh, called Shred It, which was about uh, building muscle and burning fat on a whole food, plant based diet. I got it endorsed by all kinds of people, uh, self published book, but endorsed by Phil Collin from Def Leppard. Uh, Emily Deschanel, for actress from Bones, yeah. um, uh, Doctor T Colin Campbell, Doctor Caldwell Esselstyn, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Juliana Hever, who's a reg- registered dietitian and author of many books, and you know all these different people. And the book ended up selling, you know, more than twenty thousand copies at, wow. at at twenty dollars each. You know that that brought in a decent amount of income. But then I realized that, you know, I can do this on my own
1: then. Yeah. You know, and, and, Can I interrupt and, for one second? How
0: did yeah. you get those endorsements? You know There's these, a, Yeah. 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 People I just, I, I knew from the industry or, you know what I did? Uh, this is, you know, nearly 10 years ago. But what I would do is I would wait until I see that some of the, some of these celebrity people were online at Twitter, on Twitter, you know, unless they scheduled their tweet, that was, which I don't think a lot of people were doing back then. Like I could tell they were on Twitter and I would write them right then. I would write them. That's how I connected with Tony Robbins. That's really? how I connected with Emily Deschanel. That's how I connected with um, uh, I think Mary Pylon from the New York times. Wow. Like I, I would, I would write them right when I knew when they were online. And I was okay, so able I gotta to ask
1: another follow-up question. Yeah. 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 I, I know I'm interrupting. Can you share some of the things that you wrote to them? Like when you DM them, what were you, what were you saying? Hey, I'm Robert. I'm putting this book together. Were you trying to get their time, a, a call, a, a meeting? What what did that look like?
0: Yeah, I was just trying to get, I uh, explained who I am. You know, at that point, I've been vegan since 1995. So at this point, I've been vegan for what, 18 years or something like that. And, you know, this longtime vegan athlete, um, and I already published a book, and I was just trying to get an endorsement for my new book. And, you know, some of these were just, uh, you know, I just got lucky and other times, You know, I went to events where I I knew I would get the chance to bump into people. That's how I met Mike Tyson, you know, and actually had a one-on-one conversation back when everyone had the flip phones and taking pictures. He was talking to me. I had signed a book for him and I met him through another connection through John Pierre, who was a trainer for Ellen DeGeneres. And he's the one that connected me with Mike Tyson. And while I was at that same event, I didn't even know who Phil Collin was, but John Pierre told me he was there to see Phil Collin. I'm like, who's that? He's a lead guitarist from Def Leppard. Oh, OK. And then I, I went over and introduced myself. And the next thing <laughs> I knew, within six months, I was hanging out of the Def Leppard tour bus uh, because I went to a show and he invited me backstage. And I've been backstage in you know, Phoenix and Denver and Boston. Yeah. And, and I'm already looking at their stadium tour. They got coming up with Poison. <laughs> and, and, uh, and Joan Jett and, and whoever else. I forget who else is. Oh, and Motley Crue. i just looking at that the other day, but it started with yeah. Being in those places, that's same, same way I met Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, numerous times uh, at, at, at the gym or at, at his actual event he puts on. And so that's what I was doing. I was writing to these people uh, on, on Twitter, largely, mostly Twitter, because it was brief, it was short. I knew it came to their phone, you know, and, and that's how I connected with some of these people. So I self-published this book. And within days, I had this fully funded trip to Australia uh, when after the book came out. The book was only out for a week. In fact, I had to hire a friend. Uh, to ship books for me within mm-hmm. the U.S. While I went to Australia for a three-week tour, and uh, came back and uh, decided to, I, I, I met uh, someone at the gym. Uh, this woman recognized me and said, "Are you Robert Cheek?" And I said, "Yeah." And, and then, and that was Vanessa Espinoza, and we and we basically became like best friends and training partners, and co-authored a book together yep. a few years later called Plant-Based Muscle. And then it was. It was after that, in 2018, that the same friend who introduced me to that first agent, or really my second agent, but the one in Beverly Hills, he just happened to write me out of the blue. I was living in Arizona at the time. I was actually on a speaking tour that day in Tucson, even though I lived in Phoenix. And my friend was visiting from Los Angeles and was in Phoenix and said, hey, you want to grab dinner? And I was already on my door, you know, on my way out the door. I, I just loaded up my car from my event in Tucson, like 6 p.m. or whatever. Yeah. And I was headed to dinner in Tucson. But my friend wrote me and said, hey, I'm in Phoenix. So I, I went to Phoenix. And it was, it was then we sat down and he said, hey, Robert, um, I know you got all these books out now. How would you like to take another shot at the New York publishing industry, the big time? And he had been very successful. I'll explain who he is in a moment. <laughs> yeah. and, and he had been very successful. Um, I think he sold between one and two million copies of books to date. Um, and I said, okay, I think I'm ready. I, 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 I feel like I'm ready. Like, I know I wasn't as mature back then when I, I had a hard time taking feedback from that agent, you know, that was the only, the agent said, oh, I don't like the proposal. And I said, fine, you know, screw this. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to write my own book i not, I don't need to pay all this money for someone else to write the book for me. I'm going to do it because I enjoy writing. I want to tell my story, my way and do it. I, I felt like I matured a lot over those five years, 2013 to 2018. So I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take an introduction to your agent. I had no idea he meant he was going to write to that agent that night. I thought I had some time to prepare for this. Yeah. <laughs> so, so shortly thereafter, I get an email from her. And it took me like two hours to reply because I wanted to make sure I got it right, even though I was writing just a few sentences, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I wanted to, you know, put my best self forward. And uh, and and sure enough, you know, I, I eventually met with her over the phone um, after meeting through email and sent my proposal and uh, for the plant-based athlete again, but it was updated, of course, and a lot had changed in five years. Many more celebrity athletes and all this stuff, and you know, once again you know what I heard, Benjamin? Once again, I heard, you know, you're, you're, you're not the guy to do this alone. I'm mm. like, man. Wow. man, I sold 50,000 copies at this point, $20 each, you know, a million dollars worth of books, self-published, toured, and yeah. I spoke on stage in China, in Australia multiple times, in London, Toronto, Caribbean, all these places, man, and I'm still not good enough. And the agent and I, and I tried to argue my point. I tried to argue my, my previous book sales. I tried to argue all these things, my connections. She said, "doesn't you know, doesn't matter, you need a co-author with this. And so I thought, man, okay, if that's the only way I'm gonna get this opportunity with a major New York publisher, I'm gonna to have to follow that, that feedback and I'm gonna to have to do that. And so I thought, who would be a great partner? And I immediately thought of my longtime friend, Matt Frazier who runs No Meat Athlete, who's been running No Meat Athlete for over 10 years. I had endorsed all of his books, his No Meat Athlete book, his No Meat Athlete cookbook, his his digital eBooks. He had endorsed all of my books. Uh, We had worked together for years. He runs an endurance community. No Meat Athlete is largely long-distance runners and cyclists and endurance athletes. I had been running veganbodybuilding.com since 2003, uh, mostly strength and, and power and bodybuilding athletes. Man, what a what a collaboration here. And so I flew out to the East coast. Um, He didn't know what I was meeting him about, but I flew out to the East coast. Uh, I knew he was going to be at this health retreat in Deerfield beach, Florida. He lives in North Carolina nearby. And so, uh, I flew out there and, uh, it's, it, it was just this thing, you know, I said, Hey man, let's, let's go, let's go for a walk. So this is the moment that it happened. We were just walking on this boardwalk in Deerfield Beach, and I said, "Hey, man, I've got this opportunity. This uh, with this agent who only works with major New York publishers. She only lands like major, you know, six-figure advances. Like she only does big book deals. But uh, and I was transparent. I was honest. I was just I was honest with him. I said, I already wrote the proposal. Uh, I already have the concept. I've already put in the work. I got the agent. I just need someone else to do this with me." Uh, are you interested? And, uh, and he said, let's do it. He All said, right. let's do it. Let's do it. And we decided that day, walking up and down you know, the Atlantic Ocean, we said, we're going to make the New York Times bestseller list. We decided that moment, that's, that was going to be our destiny. And, and we believed it. And that was two years, two and a half years before we landed at number four on the New York Times bestseller list yeah and and before we became a number one international bestseller and translated into six languages and number one on amazon in four categories and a publisher's weekly bestseller we decided right then that was going to be our future and we Mm -hmm. just did what we we had to do to make that happen so it, it was one of those things where that you know probably Looking back in 2013, maybe I wasn't ready to have a major book called The Plant-Based Athlete. I wouldn't have been able to write about, you know, former NFL MVP Cam Newton or Kyrie Irving or Chris yeah. Paul, who's in the MVP race, this incredible resurgence in his career after adopting a plant-based diet. I wouldn't have been able to write about Novak Djokovic or um, or, or Serena Williams. I could have been able to write about Venus Williams or yeah. Brendan Brazier and Rich Roll and some others, but yeah. not to the yeah. level that we were able to cover in this latest version of the Plant Based Athlete. So I think that that early rejection gave me some time to write my own books, you know, uh, the way that I wanted to, those self published books, and, and carve out my own style and travel the world and tour and speak and, and share that with other people. And then when my friend, I guess I never said who it was, uh, <laughs> my, my friend Brian, the creator of Forks Over Knives. Uh, the one who brought that movie to life and hired me in 2011 to work for forks over knives who's now sold about 2 million copies of his five forks over knives books he's the one that gave me that shot in 2013 saw me hustling for for half a decade and not quite getting there as far as like having my books in bookstores and gave me that shot again in 2018 and I wouldn't be here without Brian Wendell uh, making that connection for me and I want to say Benjamin it's it has been so cool for 33 years wanting to be an author.
1: Yeah. To
0: be able to walk in to any Barnes & Noble store anywhere in America <laughs> and have my book right there on the shelf, sometimes in the bestseller, she- bestseller section yeah. or the, the new release section or even featured in an end cap. And I can tell you over the last month or so, and you know this because you, you emailed me when I was on the road. Yeah. I, I've, I've signed books in 105 bookstores over the last month because- <laughs> Though I want it, I never know if I'm going to get this opportunity again. Right. This is, I'm not going to let this go. I, I worked too hard, spent too many decades working to make the New York Times bestseller list and having my book have a massive impact and sell tens of thousands of copies in a short amount of time and available in all these bookstores, independent and Barnes and Noble and everywhere else around North America. I'm just not ready to let go of that. And Absolutely. so, so I, I visit bookstores. All the time, you know and and, yeah. and just yesterday I was walking the dogs and I carried some books with me mm-hmm. because I stumbled upon a few of those little free libraries. you know they're like little tree houses they're all right. around, all around the country and I, I donated to two of those yesterday because I, I found one in my neighborhood and just happened to see one a couple neighborhoods over the other day and then spotted yet another one yesterday.
1: Mm-hmm. so I,
0: I went out there and, and donated those because it, it's just it, it's what I've always wanted to do. And it took me so long. I'm, I'll be 42 in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just embracing every moment that I get.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, Now that's an
1: amazing story. I have so many questions. Um, a, a couple of things that are standing out to me is uh, a word is uh, perseverance. So when you think back to going back to the third grade and the rejection, rejection is hard no matter who you are, you know, especially when you have such a great passion for it. Uh, a second thing that's standing out to me is uh, go get that cup of coffee. I did a podcast called "Go Get That Cup of Coffee," where just talking to people, you have no idea what doors might be open. Um, I do have a, a couple of follow-up questions. Um, some of these celebrities that you were reaching out to, were they all vegans at that time?
0: <clears throat> as far as people who uh, endorsed the the book or people to yeah, like your independent
1: book? book, yeah. So when you had your independent book out and you're getting these endorsements, were a lot of those people already living the the vegan
0: lifestyle? Yeah, I think. I think pretty much every one of them was. And they, these were sometimes movie producers, athletes, actors. Uh, I'm trying to think like my first round of doing this, you know, over a decade yeah. ago, like who all those like who they all were. Yeah. I don't have I don't have all their names, but I I had a copy over here. I just mailed one out the other day. It's in the other room. But I, I remember flipping through that ShredIt book. That I wrote in 2014, yeah. and I was actually—I I even kind of was impressed with myself. I'm like, man, <laughs> I can't even reach Emily, Emily Duchanel today, you know? I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't today, but I did back then. And like Alicia Silverstone, I was featured in her book, and 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 she even ordered my self-published book for Hugh Jackman back when Hugh Jackman Wolverine was doing. Yeah. The, the plant-based thing and so I actually have like her you know PayPal email address in my, in my email and shipping it to Hugh Jackman I remember mailing it and, and they're like is this really is this the, the the real like Alicia Silverstone or Hugh Jackman I'm like yeah it's it's I met her a few times and um but I don't even know if I could reach her today right, <laughs> in this right. world of like Instagram DMs that no one's checking TikTok yeah. whatever like back then and I think you know Eva you probably know this Benjamin you know this it actually was easier. I feel like back then when it was just like Twitter, Facebook and stuff to connect with people, because there were only a few platforms and people actually use them for that. Twitter was really easy. Like, I mean, I was connecting with Tony Robbins directly through, through uh, through Twitter and ended up um, and he, and he was actually, he was like, he went from being vegan for 16 years to not being vegan for a Mm -hmm. long time, which has been documented in, in his own talks. And and in, his, in a recent documentary and some of his work, and now he's back to it again. But I think I was writing to him back when he wasn't uh, fully plant-based. And then, like you said, go get coffee, right? Yeah. Uh, I randomly met up with his nephew in Canada because my cousin is friends with Tony Robbins' nephew. So I met up with him and, and, and delivered him some stuff to give to Tony because he was gonna be going on a ski trip with Tony um, like the next month or something. And it's, as far as connections, um, really, to be honest, the best thing that I've ever done is just, is going to events. I mean, I'm going to the natural products expo West in, in two weeks, three weeks in Anaheim. It's massive. Uh, that's, I I've seen like Alicia Silverstone there. I, I, uh, Michelle Rodriguez, she was in, um, what was she in? Uh, at the time, like Avatar or something like her. I, you know, I saw John Sally's there. I've seen Fabio there, all kinds of people. (laughs) And it's one of those things. You never know who's going to be there to, to help you out, you know, and not that you're looking for help. Right. I had, I had no, like when I met Phil from Def Leppard, I didn't know who he was, but I knew my friend Paul was such a big Def Leopard fan. I mean, massive Death Leopard fan. And that's what made me want to go say hi to Phil. Otherwise I, you know, wouldn't have had that much interest. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I still keep in touch with Phil, you know, his birthday is actually my vegan anniversary that, mm-hmm. you know, the, December 8th, we, we share that same day. So, so I'll, I'll text him, you know, happy birthday on my vegan anniversary. Yeah. And like, you know, he's been a big supporter, even though he's this, you know, major rock star, he's down to earth guy who, you know, uh, has no problem like holding my, my book in photos and all this kind of stuff. And I didn't expect that to happen, yeah. but I, I introduced my friend Paul to him, which was one of the greatest days of Paul's entire life. I'm talking about a guy who does a workout to Def Leppard uh, concert DVD, like three or four days a week. The same the same live concert DVDs watched for 10 years. And I was able to get my friend Paul on the Def Leppard tour bus. And he just, I mean, he just was just losing his mind. Yeah. Um, and that was so fun for me and, and to be able to do that. Uh, so, um, so I'm doing this stuff, you know, um, I, I, I go to these events where there's, you know, I've seen Tim Ferriss, uh, you know, on tour, yeah. talk to him. I've seen Gary Vaynerchuk a bunch of times. In fact, speaking of coffee, Gary Vaynerchuk invited me to sit down uh, for, for coffee at, a, at a, uh, a coffee shop in Seattle, Washington, after his book talk there. Uh, so, you know, and, and he acknowledged, you know, when I made the New York Times bestseller list, like, like, like him, he acknowledged that. And it's just been building these relationships, you know, that you, you know? don't know, what's, you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and you're not even you. you, you the thing is, Benjamin, you can't you can't approach it like, OK, I, I want to, you know, manipulate this person or take advantage of this opportunity. If you it's this genuine, authentic, like you're a fan of them or you like their work or you you have something you know nice to say, like that often is the is the best way to start developing a relationship with, with some of these people who we see as like celebrities or stars. And then um the next thing you know, they turn around and support your work and help you do something like make a bestseller list. And it's like, man, uh where'd that come from? Right? Yeah. It came from this this altruism, this genuine authenticity. Yep. And and that's that's uh, that's what's worked for me.
1: Yeah. No, you, you made me think about a book years ago. I worked for um, Pfizer Pharmaceuticals, so I did pharmaceutical sales for about eight years. And there was a book that I read called "Never Eat Alone" by uh, Keith. I have a hard time pronouncing his name, Ferrazzi, but it's a great book, and it's basically what you're talking about: networking, but not in the sense of, you know, trying to deceive people or only trying to get. But there's this mutual, you know, working together. Uh, for the people who are listening in the audience, uh, Robert for those who may be interested in self-publishing a book, I know it's been 10 years or so since you last did. Um, what did you use? I've, I've published some self-published books through uh, Amazon Kindle. Were you using Amazon Kindle or, or something
0: else? Actually, my, the last one I, I self-published was 2017. So, it wasn't oh, that okay. long ago. so it's only five years ago. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and then I actually released an ebook even after that, 2018 or 19. It gotcha. was e- ebook only, self-published um, just to, just to try that it, it was a book that wasn't, I don't think it was gonna be popular enough for a, a print book, but, uh, so ebook only, but so I started my very first self-published book came out 2010. Uh, it was actually in print a month after I turned 30, I was trying to get it th- before I turned 30 because I was like beside myself, like Robert, you're about to turn 30. You've mm-hmm. wanted to do this since you were eight. What is taking so long? <laughs> you no, know? I mean, I, I'd become a champion bodybuilder i've been a champion runner i had done all these other things like why can't you write a freaking book the thing you want to do or you claim yeah. to want to do but it just takes a lot of focus and hard work so at the time there was not amazon publishing back then amazon kindle and all this stuff at least not that i'm aware of this is 12 years ago yeah. and so i went to a, a local i just looked it up i just googled it it was like like self-publishing <laughs> houses and there happened to be one about three and a half hours from where I lived. I lived in Corvallis, Oregon, where I'm from. I was back living there again. And this publishing house was in Bend, Oregon, called Maverick Publications. No idea if they're still around. I hope so. But so, Maverick Publications, and I, I reached out to them, and I was really hands on. You know, like they're like, yeah, just send your materials or whatever. I'm like, no, I'm driving out there. <laughs> so I drove out there. They're like, yeah, we're not used to like people showing up at our. Office, but that's cool. Yeah, um, and so I would drive out there, uh, uh, you know, every once in a while, every couple months or whatever, and and I and it was beautiful actually. Like, if you if you were to go back and look now, um, for the most part, that book, Vegan Bodybuilding, it, like the, the layout, like it was it looked like it was professionally done, you know. And that was before all the really uh, fancy tools with that we have now. You know, where, where someone you can hire someone from Upwork and they can do all this stuff. Before you had to go to like a a book publisher who knew how to, you know, make it look like a book. And so I did that, but I was paying like, man, I, I told you I borrowed that $6,000 to publish it. Um, so I, I printed about a thousand copies, I think. Um, and that was seven, seven or $8 per book, I think at the time. So my, my total cost was, I don't know, $8,000 or something like that to get those first ones. And, and the only reason I was able to do that was I borrowed the money and I was taking pre-orders. I was taking money in advance so I could pay to do that because then you got to print more and you have to come up with the money up front and it's, it's tough. And and I really struggled to keep up with that, you know, um, to the point that I couldn't do it anymore. Eventually, I was printing 250 at a time uh, for like 10 or 11 dollars a copy and trying to sell them for 20, you know, and, right. and, and, uh, and, and just the other cost of shipping and storage and whatever. And... And, and, then, and then the Amazon, Amazon Kindle publishing or whatever it's called now uh, came mm-hmm. along. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's what I used for my ShredIt book. I'm not totally sure now. Looking right. back, I'm gonna think about it. You know what? No, 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 I used Maverick Publications again. That's right. right. Because mm-hmm. I had a companion book to it. That little training journal, 13 week training journal, journal, which was spiral bound. And that was just designed to get you through a quarter of the year, 13 weeks, 26, you know, 39, 52. And that's right because they did that. They did my Shredded book, which was even better than the Vegan Bodybuilding one, as far as layout and it just looked really professional and it had all these like famous people endorsing it. So um, <laughs> I used that, and then that's right. It was it was Amazon um, Direct Publishing, or they they changed their name to Kindle Publishing or something yeah. in 2017, where yeah. I hired yeah. someone from Upwork, and it was we only it was like something like only fifteen hundred dollars to hire someone to do the layout for something they spent months working on. I, I felt, I almost felt bad like they were underpaid because we just, it just was back and forth. Mm-hmm. They were in another continent and, and trying to, the time zones and just trying to just get everything together, mm-hmm. but it was really good. It was really good and, and nicely done. And and um, and to this day, uh, and then we eventually uploaded Shreddit to Amazon um, publishing. I, I, you know, it, and it was like, it was like a breakup to be honest, Benjamin, I, it, it was hard. Yeah because these guys in, in Bend, Oregon, this little town in my home state who had this little operation had published two of my books, but I could do it so much cheaper with Amazon. So I had to ask them like, hey, it was like that breakup thing. Um, Can I get the master file from you? Um, you know, I mean, I own the property, right? I own the intellectual property. I hired them as a contractor, basically. I hired them to do the way it was still my stuff, but I basically had to fire them um, as, as politely as I could and say may i get that master file i'm gonna the only way for me to be sustainable is with this is if i go with amazon and now it costs me about for that shredded book which is big 340 pages or so lots of photos and everything i believe it's five dollars and 19 cents per copy and i was paying you know that book was bigger i think than my vegan bodybuilding book so i may have been paying eight nine dollars a copy so i cut my cost in half and with no minimums i can order one if i want from Amazon. Yeah. And then that, that plant-based muscle book is a little bit shorter, 262 pages, I believe. And it's cost me $3.99 and I resell for, for 20. And of course that you could pay a little bit for shipping, you know, to get them from Amazon. Um, but this just print on demand, you know, um, you know how that works. So, so that's how I, I uh, approach that. And, um, and so it hasn't been that long since I've self-published. And one of the things I will say is that the number one thing? Really, to me, the number one thing with a major New York publisher is distribution, is to be in every bookstore and to be in yep. thousands of bookstores, and um, and they can help with a few other things, from maybe some of their connections, or some of their marketing, or connect you with a publicist. But they they don't they don't do a whole lot um, besides that. Uh, and I was told that by other publishers too. They just, I mean, they you know how it works. I mean, you launch a book, they give you help for a few weeks, and then it's on to the next book. You know yeah. you're I mean I can't I mean I, I, I was gonna say maybe I shouldn't even say this, but I mean I can't even get them to reply to me. I mean I wrote a New York Times best-selling book for them, which has already sold nine hundred thousand dollars worth of books in seven or six months for them. They won't even reply to my emails uh yeah. when I have genuine questions about like trying to get where are they <laughs> trying to get these signed <laughs> book plates, you know, yeah. that uh you know to, to ship out to bookstores around the country. They never yes. Sent three or four emails over the course of two months. They won't reply. So my wife designed some, and we're paying out of pocket and doing all the signing and shipping ourselves. And so what I tell people is, if you have, if you have an audience of of, of any type, whether that's regionally, uh, you know, online, globally, whatever, self publishing can be a great way to go. Yep. I mean, still to this day, I mean, I'm still waiting on some royalty checks from this book, but. <laughs> the most money, I mean, most money I ever made from the book was from Shreddit, a self-published book that just somehow connected. It just, the right place, the right time, the right people, right people endorsing it, it just took off. And uh, it's a springboard for me to get also paid speaking gigs around the world from that book. Yeah. Um, and so self-publishing can be a fantastic way to go. You get full creative control. You know, I lost them. I, 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 I had to give up some creative control with my new book, but at the same time, you know, I love the distribution. I love being able to walk into a bookstore and yeah. and just be able to enter. Walk, I walk right to the customer service desk and say, hey, I'm I'm your local New York Times bestselling author. I just want to sign some books in your store. And, and they love it, you know, and, and I mm. wouldn't have that um, yeah. in, in a self-published world. It's very hard. You can, but it's very hard to get your books out there yeah. in these major retailers as a self-published author.
1: So share with the audience. um you know, the, the feedback that I've gotten since becoming uh, vegan, and I know there's a variety of reasons as to why people become vegan. Uh, I've had a lot of, I've gotten a lot of encouragement, people typically ask questions, the common questions that you've heard a, a million times. When you were writing The Plant-Based Athlete, uh, did you have yourself in mind, like when you were 15, like, okay, if I could go back in time, this would be a book that I would want to be able to pick up in a bookstore. Um, I know you have all of these you know, highly professional athletes, Um, how did that work with that process of who you were writing to and, you know, people who who could get benefit out of the book?
0: Yeah, well, one thing, and this is maybe just a tip for anybody who is interested in writing, is that one thing to keep in mind, and maybe this is just my perspective, but as an author, especially this kind of book of of a uh, prescriptive type book, um maybe narrative storytelling you know first person uh, informational um really what i would just call is like is really kind of a prescriptive book that you're never really writing for yourself you every sentence has to benefit the reader or else it needs to be removed uh even if it's like your favorite like man i love that sentence i love the way i put the words together i want to tell my own story like this reminds me of this time i did this i'm going to put that in there if the reader doesn't care it's got to go and and that was hard for me to learn it was hard for me to let go of that especially because my first book was a little more memoir style you know my my, it was my vegan bodybuilding journey plus a bunch of tips in there um my other books were much more prescriptive about you know here's here's a meal plan to follow here's a workout plan to follow it was very much like and i hired editors back then too even with my self-published books i hired some professional editors and uh that's something that I, I had to take into account. And so as I was writing the book, that's, that's really the thing I was thinking about. Not necessarily how would this serve you know, you know, me going back, looking back as a 15-year-old becoming vegan back in 1995, but how is it going to serve readers today? And, and, and what will they get out of this? And I, and that's why I, I did all the storytelling. That's why I did all those interviews with the athletes. I wanted it to be compelling. I wanted it to be emotional. I wanted people to be moved by it. I want people to, you look at some of these athletes who overcome, who overcame drug addiction, who over, uh, uh, came, um, you know, uh, suicide attempts and became Olympic athletes. People who, uh, were one guy was over, over 420 pounds and became an ultra marathon champion. Not just a guy who shows up and puts a bib on and runs slowly, but a guy who wins and uh, who's now weighs like 180 something pounds. Um, and he did it all just through diet and exercise and determination and grit and passion and, and all that. Um, and and people who overcame eating disorders, people who overcame abuse, uh, and, and became world champion in their sport. Like everybody has a story, you know, and it's not, it's not just, it's not an easy road to becoming a champion athlete or, or someone who is that we look up to as celebrity status or significant in their sport or anything like that. There's this, there's this road that of struggle that many of us can relate to. And so that's what I really wanted to, to write about and to tell, and and that's why I chose to do things like a day in the life routine. That actually that spoke to me. You know, I, I would love to see what these Olympic athletes do behind the scenes, yep. or these yep. these champion MMA athletes, or, or fellow bodybuilders, or endurance athletes. How does it differ than what I do? And and then just be inspired by like, wow, that's that's tremendous commitment. I mean, they're 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 already on their bike when I'm still sleeping. You know, they put in a hundred miles in the bike when I'm you know still checking my email. And it's not, it's not a comparison thing, but it's like it's it's a source of inspiration for me. Yep. There's still, there's, there's room for me to, to do more. And especially Benjamin, I'll tell you, one of the things I was really inspired by were the, I think I, I interviewed about five athletes who are still competitive and still very good, including one just set a world record. Actually I found out he set two world records. I didn't realize that. Uh, these five athletes were over 50 because I am even though I'm in my early forties, I start to connect with the older athletes. Now I, I'm not that I, I don't connect with like a 22 year old fitness model anymore. I just don't, I just, that's not me. I've got the low back soreness from 25 years of lifting. I'm in my forties. I don't burn fat as easily. Yeah. I have other projects going on, you know, other priorities with family and work and all this stuff. And I relate much more to to Rip Esselstyn, who's almost sixty, I think he turns sixty next year, and and Rich Roll, who's fifty-five, and Fiona Oaks, who's in her fifties, and by the way, been been plant-based for five decades, you know, for over fifty years, uh, and and has multiple Guinness World Records, and Christine Vardaro, who I met, I don't know, for the first time we crossed paths like twenty years ago, and she's been vegan for more than twenty years, and she's in her fifties as a professional cyclist, and uh, my friend John, who's a, a Ironman triathlete who does full Ironman distance, you know, uh, bikes, 112 miles uh, or swims 2.4 bikes, 112 runs 26.2 all in the same day. And he turns 60 next year. And like that, that, that inspires me, you know, cause sometimes I feel like, man, I'm in my forties. Now I gotta, I gotta start thinking about, you know, hanging up the, you know, all this weight training stuff, you know, it's like, it's fun to, to kind of like have the, the sleeves be tight on you. And, yeah, yeah, that's you know, It right. might, might be coming through the camera. Maybe not. You're looking good, dude. No, but, you're looking but, good, bro. <laughs> yeah, I'm 215 pounds or so, you know, up a full hundred pounds from when I became vegan. And it's kind of fun to hang on to that. Yeah. But it's a lot of work and it, it takes a toll. Lifting weights is hard on the body and and sometimes I think, well, maybe I should do something different, but then I, I look at these other athletes, including strength and power athletes who are, who were in their fifties. And I'm like, ah, oh, I, I got plenty of time. If I, if I, I, mean, if I choose to pursue it, if I, if I deem that worthy of pursuing, um, that's what motivated me. So, so that's where the writing style came from. It was like, what will the reader get out of this? And what was really cool is because even though, I, I do have a co-author, but I did, I did the vast majority of the writing. That was just, I'd already done a ton of it and, and updated it and wrote more of it. And that was our arrangement as co-authors that I would do more of the writing. My co-author would do more of the marketing. Even as someone who wrote the book, I actually benefited as a reader. All the times mm-hmm. I went through editing it, revising it was like, I would get motivated. I would get, yep, I would yep. get inspired. And, and that, that's, when it, that's when I realized that I'm writing for others, but at the same time, it helped me. Yep. If that makes sense. I wasn't yep. even looking to get that out of it. I was I was trying to create art for other people to benefit from and I ended up benefiting from it as well. And that and made, that's as good as it gets for me. Yeah, no, that's that's
1: fantastic. So, take us back to when you were 15 with everything you now know, when you made that decision to become vegan, what would you do differently if anything? Would you do anything else differently?
0: <laughs> oh, I would do a ton of things differently. I mean, <laughs> I, I grew up on a farm. I, I come from a farming background. My parents come from a farming background. Um, you know, I, I'm 15 years old, high school kid, didn't have a lot of my own money. I was eating mostly the same foods that everybody else eats, but, uh, you know, a vegan version of them. So just, just like, you know, pasta and chips and salsa and bread and soda and candy. I mean, what teenagers eat. And so I wasn't doing this, this you know, tremendous nutrition program back then. But as as we all know, when you're when you're young, especially as a teenager in your early 20s, you can get away with anything. I mean, wasn't it, you know, Lamar Odom, who was famous for ha- being an NBA basketball player on yeah. like an all candy diet, basically. Yeah, yeah, so you see right. These guys, these incredible specimens in, in, in football and basketball, were just eating fast food. And granted, that comes. That comes back you know later on. I mean all this the buildup of plaque and arteries and all this stuff can be damaging to their health later on. But that's what I was doing was just eating a lot of kind of plant-based junk food back then because that's what teenagers were doing. And so looking back, I, I would because because habits are formed, you know oftentimes at a, a young age and you continue to sometimes, could be decades later, you still have those routines of, okay, I drink this. I'm, I'm a person who drinks orange juice or eats pizza or eats bagels. Like that's, we, we just, that's who we are. I have cereal, whatever. Um, and so I would have done things a little bit differently. Um, looking back, I would have, um, you know, I grew up on a farm, so I would have eaten a lot more fresh produce. I would have eaten a lot more things from the garden. I would have maybe structured meal plans a little bit differently, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, I also maybe would have presented veganism differently as well, you know, because I came to it uh, f- from an animal rights perspective, which is still my, my driving force today, where my compassion lies and the reason why I do what I do and, and everything is to make a difference for animals. As someone who grew up, grew up around farm animals and was surrounded by them and had them as pets, cows and chickens and rabbits and all these other animals as pets, like that means a lot to me. But I was, I was also very passionate, even if it was a flip of a switch, you know, one day I'm eating a burger from McDonald's and the next day I'm, I'm uh, introduced to factory farming and animal testing on a large scale. And all of a sudden I've become a different person as far as my perspectives and beliefs and viewpoints, which change overnight. And then I was pretty outspoken about that and sometimes critical of my other friends who weren't on board with what I was doing even though I'd only been on board with it for a week myself and you know I think I think I could have been a bit more of an effective advocate and activist for animal rights if I had you know taken a much uh, warmer approach which is honestly I have to say one of the reasons why we picked you know plant based instead of vegan um, for this, just to reach a mainstream audience. I've already written books that have vegan in the name, like like Vegan Bodybuilding um, or How to Build a Successful Vegan Brand, that ebook I wrote. It's got vegan right there in the name. But things like Shred It, Plant-Based Muscle, Plant-Based Athlete, it's, just, it's, it just, it's a little more welcoming, I think, to a larger audience. It doesn't mean that I'm any less you know, vegan as far as how I identify with myself or how I interact in the world around me. but I want to bring more people into the fold. And sometimes this is a little bit easier way to get them interested.
1: Yeah. Yeah. People have a lot of questions about uh, the plant-based lifestyle and uh, I want to play a game with you now. It's called fact or fiction. Okay. Let's see if we can answer some questions that a lot of people have. Uh, Fact or fiction. I just saw this on Facebook this morning. Uh, You have to eat six meals per day to burn fat and to, uh, you know, keep blood sugars level. What do you say to that? Is that fact or fiction? Uh,
0: I would probably say fiction. Um, although I don't know the exact science on that, but I know a lot of athletes who graze all day long. So they might have like 12 meals. Um, I also know people who, uh, eat, uh, you know, three meals a day, four meals a day, bodybuilders who a very specific, uh, regimen. Um, I personally, uh, have used a six meal a day approach that's like that. You know, I did that with the body for life program back in the late nineties or early two thousands. Yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, actually I do document, you should see my desk. There's just papers everywhere. (laughs) I uh, I, I do document sometimes for weeks at a time, everything that I eat throughout the day, it's way more than six meals. Um, there's small things, there's small things like, but it's, it's, it's a lot more than six times a day because that just makes me, you know, constantly fueled throughout the day. Um, You're talking like, you know, some stuff in the morning um, for for breakfast or pre-workout, post-workout, lunch, meals, uh, I mean, dinner, snacks, whatever. Um, It adds up. So um, my quick answer is probably fiction because there's so many different approaches that still lead to desired results as long as you're consistent over time.
1: Uh, Factor fiction, you can't build muscle on a plant-based diet.
0: <laughs> uh, that is fiction. Um, I started out uh, as 120 pounds at 15 years old, and I'm I've been up to 220 pounds recently. Um, currently, you know, cutting down a little bit. So I've put on 100 pounds on a plant based diet, and I'm just one of many, many people who have done that. And it's, it's one thing that's great. I think in part of my story is that I've documented all of that. I have the photos from when I became vegan at age 16, even with my shirt off sitting there like this, you know, 120 pound guy, then I have the photos next to it with obviously that are, you know, decades later, or even some that are seven years later, where I put on 75 pounds in in something like seven years. So absolutely fiction that that's something that really needs to be articulated and communicated a lot more that you can absolutely build muscle on a plant-based diet.
1: Uh, fact or fiction,
0: you, you're not going to be able to get enough protein on a plant-based diet. That's fiction too. Uh, it's, uh, protein is one of the easiest things to get period. Uh, And that's just because of the macronutrient breakdown of food, right? So almost all foods have protein, carbohydrates, and fats to some degree. And we're talking about protein, you know, coming from amino acids, the building blocks of protein, amino acids are present in all foods. And you get the complete protein by the way too. All the essential amino acids are all found in plants as well. Some in larger amounts, some in smaller amounts, but, but we collect those uh, throughout the entire day through all of our meals. There's no need to you know combine rice and beans in a single meal or anything like that. Our body collectively utilizes all of these amino acids we get throughout the day. And the reality is just, just purely based on, on statistics and, and what people actually consume, Uh, The reality is uh, many people uh, throughout America and the Western world consume two, three, four, five times more protein than they actually require, than they actually need. And if more were better, that would be great. But more is not better um, for a lot of reasons. It could potentially have adverse effects on kidneys, on liver, on other organs. It often comes with what does protein come in, you know, often the form meat right so often it could be a class one class two a carcinogen Could be linked to development of these specific cancers which is as close related as as cigarette smoking and lung cancer in some cases especially with processed meats how does it also come how do you typically consume high protein food typically it's animal protein and it comes with a lot of extra fat it comes with it uh, whether it's cooked in oils or deep fried or all these condiments on it tons of excess calories comes with white refined um, buns, you know, bread rolls, hot dog buns, um, hamburger buns, that kind of thing, uh, typically covered in butter or cheese or other things added to it. Incredibly uh, calorie dense, which leads to obesity, which um, 42.5% of Americans are obese, 736 are overweight. Uh, and again, that wouldn't be a problem if it didn't lead to an increased risk of nearly all cause mortality, particularly heart heart attack, stroke, heart disease, development of certain cancers, type two diabetes, which is a massive one, um, a hypertension, uh, and, and can even a study I saw recently could even contribute to Alzheimer's too. Carrying, you know being be carrying around excess weight, and so look at this, Benjamin. Our, our, our collective desire to consume more protein. Yep. has actually been one of the largest detriments to our overall health. Yes. Because as it turns out, animal protein isn't all that good for us after all. And it comes with all this extra baggage. It comes with dietary cholesterol, which is only found in animal foods. It is not found in plants. And animal protein does not contain any fiber, none whatsoever. And 97% of Americans do not get enough fiber. It has one sixty-fourth. The antioxidant level of of plants, and really the only way it gets that 164th in the first place is the is the uh, the plants the animals ate, um, which is where antioxidants originate. Same with things like omega-3 essential fats, which everyone thinks fish oil, fish oil, fish oil. And I was just listening to Dr. Will Bolsowitz, the best-selling author, New York Times best-selling author of Fiber Fuel, just two days ago, uh, making the point. And he's a tremendous doctor. He's a practicing physician and has all kinds of. You know accolades and everything. He's a very smart guy, and he was he was making the point that no animal no animal uh, creates omega three essential fats. They all consume it uh, and 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 absorb it and and pass it along. Like fish get it from algae, fish get it from whatever they eat, and and so there's some other ways to 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 do that. So um, protein is just one of those things that. We obsess about it. Uh, yep. It's one of the greatest marketing campaigns uh, in nutrition I've ever seen. I've t- I wrote about it in the book. An entire yep. section about yep. about how that happened. You know, po- post World Wars and and the masculinity aspect of it, and you know, providing for our our, our family and these, and the, the rise of uh, TV dinners and microwaves and everything that made consuming animals easier. Factory farms, all this stuff, and the fact that you can. You can literally go right now, Benjamin uh, and Eva. You can go to a store, mm-hmm. go down the street, either walk, get in the car, go to a store. You can find protein water. You can find protein popcorn. You can wow. find protein potato chips. You can find protein added to anything because guess what? It sells. sells yep. It yep. makes money. It makes money. Does anybody need to use a protein powder? No, nobody. Um, but it's this multi-billion dollar industry. Um, can some people benefit from it? Sure, probably people who are spending hours in the gym exercising and and it's harder co- to consume, you know, large amounts of, of food in whole food form if you're looking to specifically consume a very specific amount of protein as a bodybuilder or powerlifter. But how many of those people are out there? You know, what yeah. zero point some you know, zero 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 one percent of the population?
1: Mm. So
0: um, that's a very long answer, but it's a very important question because it's the number one question you get. No doubt. Thirty-eight days in, where do you get your protein? Yep. I mean, come on, the shortest answer, which I will say here, a little sound bite here, is that if you consume adequate calories, you'll get adequate protein. So mm, based on your I true like calorie that. needs, and that's and that's important. What are your calorie needs compared to Eva's calorie needs? Vastly mm-hmm. different, right? You have to be D- different sizes, different gender, different ages, different activity levels. Yeah. Sure, all three of us have a different calorie need, and you discover that through the Harris Benedict calculator, Harris Benedict equation. That is. Your, based on your gender, age, height, weight, and very importantly, your activity level, how many calories do you expend per day? I mean, are you someone who walks and bikes you know, for hours a day? Or are you someone who has a physical job that goes to the gym seven days a week or, or not? Someone who sits in a chair for 12 hours a day, um, you know, wh- whatever the case is. And, and, and what's your you know, basal metabolic rate on top of that? What are you naturally burning just based on your, your body type? And then you figure out, okay, what your calorie needs are then that's when you um, determine what to eat. And as soon as you reach your calorie needs, you're gonna essentially hit your protein uh, goal, your target without any effort whatsoever. Even if you were to eat just a really, really boring bland diet, you'd still reach it. Mm. And, And so most people walking around that you see every day are eating excess protein, which as I already alluded to is a lot of excess calories, a lot of excess fat, a lot of excess storage of unutilized protein that just adds to body weight, body mass. And now we have 73.6 of us uh, who are overweight in America. And that's not to body shame a single person. That's to sound the alarm that this is a, a gateway to our most common degenerative diseases. And do we want to have those or do we not? And how can we change that?
1: Uh, full disclosure. Um, I mean, that's, that's been my mindset for, for years. I did Body for Life yeah. Um, I got a chance to speak at um, uh, Bill Phillips camps a couple of times uh, and it worked. I typically would lose about, you know, 20 pounds or something like that. And protein shakes. I'm still using uh Huel, H-U-E-L, uh, a vegan shake uh, smoothie, a big smoothie in the morning. Uh, yeah. When I got started, I wanted to make it as easy as possible because of such a big shift. When I was reading your book and even working with Eva, the carbs, and I think so much of this is just my mindset throughout the years, you know, and I looked at some of these ratios, even some of the recipes, I'm like, man, there's a lot of carbs in this meal. Yeah. So fact or fiction, carbs are the enemy when it comes to to weight loss or when it comes to getting in
0: great shape. Carbs are the best, the best macronutrient you can possibly consume, in my opinion, because they represent the calories of the best foods. The, so the best foods on the planet, you know what those are? those are leafy green vegetables. Mm. And this is based on things like the Andy score, the aggregate nutrient density index, which takes in like 37 factors of what's what foods have the most nutrients per calorie, leafy greens, by far, number one, best food you can possibly consume fruit, legumes are right, right behind there. And of course, seeds, which are, you know, they sprout life basically seeds are a, another really great one but who's eating like a a, a bowl full of sesame seeds for a meal nobody uh, <laughs> you know you, you don't you don't have like this giant um pizza you know plate full of uh, chia seeds nobody would do that but they're but they're still really beneficial but we're so so no car- carbohydrates are not the enemy do you know why benjamin what, what do we what do we associate with carbohydrates um oftentimes it's i don't know like Pizza's got a lot of carbs. These things are mostly fat. In many cases, they're not mostly carbs. Just like, you know what? Go look at any protein bar that you you can find, Um, especially plant-based protein bars. None of these are actually protein bars. Look at, because we know how many calories per gram in in protein and carbohydrates and fat. Almost any protein bar on the market you can find. Protein bar in, in big letters is either a carbohydrate bar or a fat bar. Uh, things are not often what they seem. So we think, oh, carbohydrates are bad, all these foods are carbs. Well, many of the foods people are thinking of are processed foods that are very, very high in fat. That's for one. And they're they're heavily processed and all that. When I talk about carbohydrates, I am talking about blueberries, about sweet potatoes, uh, about yams, about oats, about rice and lentils and beans and, and vegetables and fruits, broccoli, all these types of things that's what i'm talking about carbohydrate fuel and those guess what they're some of the lowest foods on a calorie density scale that's why you can't overeat leafy greens you just can't they're only like 60 calories per pound mm-hmm. compare that to oil at 4000 calories per pound or most meat uh, that's over 1000 calories per pound you just there's no comparison you you, you you it's very hard to overeat on vegetables their volume is so high you can't overeat potatoes and yams you're full after you know a couple of them and you didn't get a ton of calories but you got lots of nutrition and so that's that's the at at the end of the day whether we're going to add mass or lose mass gain weight lose weight a lot of that has to do with how many calories we consume versus how many calories we expend and the nature of those calories coming from mostly carbohydrates and i'm talking about whole food plant-based Real carbohydrates filled with vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, phytonutrients, fiber, and water that should be the foundation of a diet. And that's, and that's true for Olympic athletes as it's true for your neighbor. It, do, it, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter, it, it helps us all. And those are the foods that fight off disease as well, and the mm-hmm. foods that make us feel energized to then go actually do things like exercise and do things that, again, you know, promote and further. Our, our overall health. So, so, uh, I, so what, whatever the question was, I think the answer was fiction <laughs> that carbohydrates are not the enemy. Um, um, you know, carbohydrates are your, your best ally in yeah. this quest, even for losing weight because they're, yep. they're low in total calories and high in nutrition. And that's what we want.
1: Well, I've seen that firsthand and I've been amazed just looking at the results, uh, just seeing the, you know, I mean, with the potatoes and everything like that, and my protein content going down compared to what I was doing. Um, So the, uh, the evidence is certainly there. Uh, Your cholesterol cholesterol numbers dropping majorly in just 35 days. Yeah. Yeah. I had my blood work done uh, a couple of days ago. My total cholesterol dropped about 53 points.
0: Wow, congratulations. Uh,
1: LDL, yeah, dropped about 40. So um, I still got a little work to do. But yeah, it's just been, it's been mind boggling to see it. And, you know, 10 years ago, I had a list, I used to do these healthy recipe exchanges. And I put together this top 10 list of books for fitness and health. So uh, one of the books was uh, the China study had that on there. Yeah. One of the books was the engine Two diet, but yeah. I, I, just, I never fully committed. What do you say, Robert, to the person who's listening to this, who's on the verge of, you know, they know they have to make some changes, but the whole idea of being vegan or plant based is scary. Uh, what do you say to the person who who is just trying to maybe take
0: that next step or get started? What what words of wisdom would you like to give to them? Yeah. First, I'd ask why. Okay. W- what do you want to get out of this thing? You know, you know that I already told you the latest yeah. stats from the CDC or from whatever um, uh, authority, uh, I think it might have been CDC, uh, 74% of us are, uh, are overweight, and we know that leads to uh, problematic conditions, whether that's just fatigue, climbing the stairs at home, or walking, or feeling uncomfortable, or joint pain, or the development of uh, plaque in our arteries, which we know could lead to some cardiac issue that would be very, very scary and could be fatal. Um, what's your driving force? You know, why do you want to do this? Uh, because once you discover why, you can be much more committed. Because it reminds me of a quote from H. Jackson Brown Jr. uh, from his book, P.S. I Love You, when he said 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the things that you did do. And so many of us ask that question, like what might have been? Man, I waited so long to to tackle this issue of my health and wellness and fitness and make a commitment that now I have this issue or this condition or maybe I've got you know, type two diabetes for the rest of my life now, or I have this, you know, whatever, whatever the situation is, or I have to work incredibly hard to now attempt to reverse this, uh, this endothelial cell damage, this, this plaque buildup in arteries that, that I, I just, I have to take seriously, or else it could be a, a very scary situation with lack of blood flow and, and having a cardiac issue. Do I want that or do I not want that? And so, and, and also understand that, We've got 1440 minutes every day we're often only asking for 40 minutes of your time yep. 40 minutes i don't know what the math is on that i haven't done the fraction but it's not significant you know 40 minutes of exercise going for a walk riding the bike whatever or taking the time to meal prep and also that from a more practical standpoint perhaps uh, i mentioned this in the book too If you are interested in this plant-based diet, for whatever reason, first, you got to have that compelling reason. But once you figure that out, uh, what do you like to eat that's already plant-based? You know, I listed all those different categories of foods. Like, There's so many things that you probably already like that are already plant-based, especially all fruits and vegetables and things like soups and chili and tacos, burritos, whatever. It's so easy. They're already essentially mostly meat-free, salads and all this stuff noodle dishes, pastas, they're just, they're already, you know, primarily plant-based. And, uh, and, and so identify what you enjoy because it's got to be fun. It's got to be enjoyable or you're not going to stick with it. Yeah. Right. I mean, how many of us don't do lunges because they're not very fun or do pull-ups at the gym. We'll find anything we can do, (laughs) you know, Because we just don't want to do those. They hurt. They're too hard. That's why we walk instead of run. It just takes more effort. I'd rather not do it. What we would take the elevator instead of the stairs. Why do we do that? Because we're trying to conserve energy and we're trying to feel better and we don't want to exert ourselves if we don't have to, unless we're running after someone or running away from someone. Like we just don't want to, we don't want to exert the stuff. But if we change our mindset and say, you know what? I put in a little bit of time, a little bit of effort to to meal prep something, you know maybe make some plant-based meals that are going to last me a few days and whatever. So then I'm not tempted to, to reach out for junk food or the food that I know is going to be adverse for my health. And, and I'm committed because I want to see these changes for whatever, the, whatever those reasons are. I want, to, I want to feel more comfortable. I want to feel more confident. I want to look differently in my clothes. I want, to, I want to be around longer to hang out with my grandkids or I want to just feel better physically, not get winded you know, um, going up the stairs or whatever the case is think about those things. You know, I I didn't really get a chance to talk about it today, Benjamin, but I've really been big on, on connecting the dots ahead of time. Uh, You know, every, from when I was, when I was that, that, that third grade kid, I knew I was going to write a book. I knew it was, I knew it it took me a while, but I knew I was going to get there. When I was that 120 pound vegan kid, you know, lifting weights, I knew I was going to be a champion bodybuilder someday. I pictured it. I saw it way off in the distance, you know, and you've got to do that. Especially with things like weight loss goals or committing to a diet change, like, yeah, it may be hard today, but man, six months from now, 18 months from now, three years from now, who am I going to be? Like, and, and, and what do I need to do today to become the person that I'm going to become? And when you can think in that, those kind of terms, you're motivated, you're yep. inspired to want to do it you know, and, and then just find the practical tips of having the foods in your house that you already know that you like. You know, my friend, Chef AJ says, t- especially talking about food and food addiction, if it's in your house, it's in your mouth. You know, mm-hmm. there's going to be times you, you bring the, you bring all these, you know, uh, junk foods in, cookies, whatever, all this stuff, which are totally okay to have sometimes. But, you know, if they're in our house, eventually willpower is going to, you know falls to the wayside and broccoli is not going to look very appetizing when there's cookies there or when there's chocolate or when there's popsicles or when there's you know all this stuff and so ice cream and nothing wrong with those foods especially if we're doing exercise and we're committed to a, a healthy diet I and mean, we have this is balance it's a great relationship with food but to keep that in mind too that you know if, if we are trying to so in this case what i'm you know suggesting is okay let's we're new to this thing. Let's keep the meat out of the house. Let's keep the dairy out of the house. And let's say you're still your child's trying to figure things out, then maybe that's that's a meal to be reserved for weekends at a restaurant or something as you're adapting and transitioning. Because as much as from an animal rights perspective, I'd love people to go vegan overnight. Statistically, most people stick with it for the long haul when they kind of ease into it rather than just stopping. Because that's like any any habit that we have trying to change it immediately, you know, like. If I said, Benjamin, I want you to start training for a marathon tomorrow. And I want your first run to be about 12 miles. That's too much, too much to take on, man. Yeah. But I want you to run, 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 you know, down the block, you know, for about a minute and a half. And the next day, I want you to go for two minutes. The next day, I'd like you get hit two and a half minutes. The next day, three minutes. Sure enough, a few months later, you run a marathon and yeah. you, and now you're a runner and you adapted to it and you can stick with it for years or for a lifetime. And so, yeah. so, so, uh, so that's what I would tell people, find what you love to eat keep it around, keep it accessible, reduce the temptation by keeping things out of the house and know why you're doing it. And picture yourself five years from now, yeah. five months from now, five weeks from now, what does life look like then? Yeah. And, is, and is it worth committing to your your goals today yeah. to get to where you're going to be then? Yeah. Now, well said, Robert.
1: Uh, this has been an absolute delight. Uh, I think we could talk for another hour or so, but I want to be respectful of your time. Um, to the audience, remember the question he just mentioned, Uh, who do you want to be? And I think that's so important. Uh, Who do you want to be today, a month from now, three months from now, three years from now? And the great thing about it is that we can actually make decisions to accomplish those goals. Uh, So it's been great to have you on, Robert and Eva. Now, I have to ask one more request. You're a bodybuilder. You've been a bodybuilder for a long time. I got to get a flex shot with you, all right? Before I hang up, all right? So give me a little flex pose. Oh, man.
0: Let's let's. let's oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah, it. That, 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 that's, the, that's the good angle. Um, yeah. Um, thank you so much, Benjamin and Eva. Thank you so much for the role that you've played in this transformation for Benjamin as well and le- leading by example and, and committing to uh, making the world a better place through uh, helping people become the best versions of themselves and, and that's just a, a trickle effect. And now we all um, can spread that positivity uh, to other people. So uh, it takes a support network. It takes people in our corner. It takes people saying, you can do this and I'm, I support you and I'm here for you and I'm here to answer questions for you. And if you have anything, you, know, you can lean on me. You know, If you have questions, you can come to me. And so Eva, I wanna thank you for the role that you play in the lives of others and, and the contributions that you make to making the world a more compassionate place. So uh,
1: thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you. And, and, and Benjamin, thanks for having me on. Sure. And thanks for uh, thanks for the great questions and allowing me to tell a little bit about my writing story as well. And not just my veganism, not just my bodybuilding, but about this, this other meaningful journey that I've been so fortunate to be on and yeah. allow me to share that with your audience. So I appreciate you. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you, Eva. And thank you, Robert. And for all of those who are listening,
1: thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I can do so, can you? Keep going after it. And uh, the best is yet to come. Take care. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you are in the need or are looking for more motivation in your life, feel free to check out my website benjaminlee.blog where you can find hundreds of encouraging motivational blog posts on a variety of subjects you can find all of my books which can also be found on amazon.com and other podcast interviews with a variety of people I hope this helps please leave me a rating and a review I can do and so can you
0: take care and God bless